0: Welcome to the Wave Podcast. In a
1: 2018 interview at the Marché International du Disque et de l'Édition Musicale or Madame Music Festival, Michael Ugu, General Manager of Sony Music Entertainment for West Africa, stated that in his view. Africa has that sound of the future. Indeed, Africa is abounding with musical talent. Artists from the continent have tended to start on the underground music scene and then have gone on to gain a local following that propels them to international fame. This was the case with the rise for Afrobeats artists, such as the pioneering twins P-Square and Don Jazzy. Of course, we cannot ignore the role played by the Nigerian diaspora in facilitating this leap from local to global. Their very presence in different countries at least contributed to bringing these sounds to the reach of new listeners. Today, African musicians are experimenting with alternative and hybrid beats. They are boldly reimagining the building blocks of established musical styles such as jazz, pop, hip hop and traditional African music, thereby producing new rhythms and sounds. However, little is known of this type of African music. Why is this? The first challenge relates to the risks that major record companies are willing to take to invest in new talent. These labels play a decisive role in the distribution of music on and from the continent and they alone possess the means to support and amplify new sounds because they have the required access to networks for distribution and budgets dedicated to publicity. For example, Marvin Records by Don Jazzy is known for having taken this sort of risk. Ten years ago, when Afrobeats was still a marginal genre on the global scene, only very rarely did record labels invest in this rising phenomenon. Then Marvin Records began to support Afrobeats artists. Today, the major record labels are competing avidly to sign Afropop creators. The essential requirement is to convince record companies to invest in the sounds and artists of the future, irrespective of temporary metrics such as the numbers of views or downloads. Certain record companies are beginning to recognise this and are starting to specialise in alternative music styles. This was the case for the French Naive Records, which has invested in the careers of Asha and Yusuf Ndour. The second challenge relates to the artistic independence of creators who choose to pursue an alternative path. Being taken on by a major label often comes with accepting the artistic direction imposed by the label with a view to effective commercialization. Many artists conform to the demands of their record companies and accept changes to their work in order to adapt to the market realities they face. In America, this happened with the singer Kiara. First embracing the style of Crunk and B, she eventually migrated away, only to return to the pop music that marked her original music identity. This did not sit well with her label, which quickly put an end to her contract. In Africa, many artists have preferred to invest in their music themselves, which requires a considerable source of funds, with a view to first establishing a fan base that might then allow them to insist on their style with a record label. Such was the case with the Congolese singer Fali Ipupa at the start of his career. preliminary solution to overcome these impediments and barriers to entry on the african music market could be to sign contracts for the writing of songs and to propose these to already established artists the latter are the ones setting the trends this is how tiwa savage was able to exert her influence over 10 years ago when she was writing songs for sony publishing intended for american celebrities today We are hosting artists who choose not to follow mainstream trends. They will speak to us about the challenges they face, the reality of the music markets on the continent in which they work and the solutions they propose. We are also joined by a representative of an African music label who hopefully can give us an insight into their strategies regarding emerging artists. A preliminary solution to overcome these impediments and barriers to entry on the African music market could be to sign contracts for the writing of songs and to propose these to already established artists. After all, the latter are the ones setting the trends. This is how Tiwa Savage was able to exert her influence over 10 years ago, when she was writing songs for Sony Publishing intended for American celebrities. Today, we are hosting artists who chose not to follow mainstream trends. They will speak to us about the challenges they faced, the reality of the music markets on the continent in which they work and the solutions they propose. We are also joined by a representative of an African music label who hopefully can give us an insight into their strategies regarding emerging artists.
2: Today we are discussing alternative or mainstream um, and pathways to success in the African music industry. Right. So, you know, we all know that there are so many kinds of African music, Um, you know, 54 countries in one continent. So, different sounds, different languages. Um, It's it's full of drumming, it's full of dancing, it's pulsating rhythms of the earth. And African music is a celebration, uh, exaltation, and a profound visceral way of communicating. Today on The Wave, we are discussing all types of music across Africa that are little known, but nevertheless, their existence is known. My name is Charlotte Bonner. I am a Kenyan with over five years experience in the music industry. I am currently the head of business development and media partnerships at Ojamak Africa. Um, for those who don't know Ojamak, Ojamak is an American youth driven artist first uh, music streaming platform that provides artists with a space in which they're able to effortlessly share their music with the world. And that provides listeners with an amazing listening experience that is focused on discovery and exploration. I am delighted to welcome members of my panel today. Ninel Musan, who is not only a senior executive, but one of the only female co-founders of a record label and creative entertainment management agency on the continent. As a formidable entrepreneur over the last decade, Nenel has transformed a unique music startup and talent management agency with an enviable roster of African, Africa's most well-known music talent, including Emi Fakou, aka Manu Walster, Benny Afo, Kutane, Paul Pominate, Step Daddy, Etkanwa Africa, and others. Nenil, welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. The second person on the panel is Kobams with us?
3: Yes, Kobams is with us. It was a pleasure to be here. Mm -hmm.
2: It is a pleasure, Kobams. Kobams Asuku is a Nigerian singer-songwriter and music producer. Um, In 2005, he was signed to Sony ATV London as a songwriter after working as head of audio production at question mark entertainment in lagos nigeria he set up his own label and recording facility kobams osokuo music production also known as camp love it in 2006 he rose to international acclaim in 2007 as the lead music producer and co-writer for asha the award-winning self-titled album by nigerian soul sensation asha who at that time was signed to Na- Na- Naive Records in France. Kabamz, you're such a legend, and I am happy to have you with us today. Welcome.
3: Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here.
2: And on the third panelist is Gigi Atlantis, a Nigerian songwriter, um, singer-songwriter. She has made a remarkable debut in the music industry with her song, Wahala on the Rocks which quickly became a radio hit in Nigeria in 2020. She has also collaborated with artists such as Boj, Odunsi. Boj and Odunsi. Gigi produces her own songs and distributes her own song and demonstrates vividly the life of alternative genre music in Africa. So, guys, I really want to... Sorry, Gigi, welcome. Please say hi to the people. (laughs) Hi. Hi Gigi. Hello. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. So I want to go jump right into it. Um, um first of all, let's let's talk about, you know, you know, the pandemic and just how it has affected um affected your business and and, and, it, and affected the the music industry generally. Um, you know, funny enough, I was reading the IFPI report that said that recordings and streamings. Uh, streaming earnings and recordings globally have shot up, um, but it it was it was when I was reading the report, um, there was a gross underrepresentation of Africa and just what like Africa contributed to the global entertainment industry. You guys, how you know uh, the pandemic affected um, your business? So Ninel do you do you wanna go first? Sure. Um, Yeah, I mean,
4: it's shifted the music industry uh, completely, and I guess we we dealt with the shock of it and did what we could at the beginning, but now we're a year in, so, um, you know, actually, I don't think we we thought we would have to cope with this reality for a year, Um, but we have, and I think while a lot of other businesses and other sectors have been also affected, and there's so many businesses that aren't in business anymore, Uh, We're still here, and as a small agency and a small independent record label, we're really grateful to still, you know, be around and still be be moving forward. Um, The greatest impact to music was obviously live. And so because we're a hybrid business, independent record label, and talent management agency, no live, no shows, no tours, um, you know, it affects the mood of the artist to not be on stage, uh, not see their fans and connect with their audiences. But affects the baseline revenue as well. Um, you know, for most of our artists, that's between 60 to 80 percent of their revenue, um, and so it's gone. It's been wiped out. And in South Africa, um, now that we're on a lower level of lockdown, we have some smaller shows. There are some opportunities coming through, um, but it's a lot less than before. Um, you know, we've had live stream opportunities and digital shows, uh, which we've contended with over the period of the last year. They haven't been the same. Um, it's definitely not matched with our usual live business. Um, but it's been, yeah, it's been a major, major, major impact. Um, some of the good things that happened, and I mean, it reflects in the report that you just mentioned, Charlotte, is that yeah, overall global music sales and streams have increased. And one of the best parts that I think also happened, which hopefully we can discuss later in the show as well, is that I think lockdown provided an opportunity for discovery for a lot of new artists. Um, from listeners that were looking for new music um, online. 100. 100. And I think, yeah, and I think that could be, uh, that should lead to a couple more opportunities. I think we are really seeing it.
2: Uh, yeah, I want to jump in right there and just say that, you know, for, on on my end of the DSP and, you know, just the, the numbers that we're seeing on Audio Mac um, has, you know, people... The way people consume music has definitely changed, you know, during during this um, during this pandemic for sure. And those like people were just um, thirsty for more, if, if that's the word to say, and they're just looking for fresh sounds and fresh faces. Um, and and I have to say that um, that I I, I think I, I want I would like to mention that I feel like the impact on on on. Um, on this pandemic um, on on the African continent and generally the music that's coming from Africa has really been positive positive. and just in terms of um, making more um, you know more African superstars um, and just recognizable worldwide but Kobanz I, I would like to go to you and you just get your opinion as well and how this uh, pandemic affected business from your end and what you think war and the cons were um, on, on the continent
3: uh, so the pandemic has been a major disruptor in my opinion and uh, it, it has come with a mixed uh, bag of opportunities as well as challenges um, from a from a personal point of view one of the uh, the things that I find um, very interestingly revealing is um, the amount of collaborations that have been able to happen even in the middle of the pandemic so as a as a, as a recording artist and as a producer Um, It also sort of provided, in a very weird sense, um, an opportunity to collaborate with a lot of artists across the continent. Um, I happened to, um, in my capacity as a UNICEF ambassador and also doing some work for one foundation, uh, work on a number of materials to sensitize people on basically how to manage and carry themselves during the pandemic. And a lot of these collaborations were done remotely, uh, you know, across countries. Uh, and I think that that's something we've sort of been pushed, um, you know, by the, you know, like like the, the the last speaker mentioned, you know, sort of just been 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 pushed to do. Be, we've been introduced to new faces and uh, new styles we've had obviously a bit more time on our hands and uh, you know we've just sort of you know enjoyed and appreciated different genres of music at least I know I have but I think for me you know one one good takeaway is the just the the collaborative efforts you know the collaborative new relationships that have been forged you know through this time obviously revenues have been affected you know out here in, in Nigeria as well as um everywhere else and um people are just sort of you know slowly getting back to but but also i think uh, another thing was just opening people to the possibility of um um paid shows that can happen from the comfort of you know your home um and i i found that i found that to be very interesting and very revealing i know that um there were a number of youtube features uh uh, Udo X, which is a streaming platform um, based out of Nigeria, actually did have some of those features and had the likes of Asha okay. and Davido and so I mean it 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 did come with a lot of its challenges in terms of the live music scene, which is where you know a lot of um, musicians have suffered revenue loss. But I think you know it also opened you know a lot of opportunities in terms of collaborative efforts and also. Uh, uh, you know, in, in terms of other means of sort of generating revenues outside of, um, uh, uh, you know, just um, um, live music performance and even outside of just streaming. So in terms of, you know, live performances and um, I, I, you know, even more recently, there's been a lot of talk about, you know, um, um, other tokens, you know, that you know, um, musicians can sort of, or artists uh, can, can use as tender for, their material. I know that, you know, things like that have sort of been basically fintech has uh, merged with different art art forms to create opportunity for, you know, value and monetization. And um, yeah, that's, that's, that's really a a disruptor if you ask me.
2: That's really awesome. Gigi, I'm going to ask you to piggyback on what have said, you know, you are an artist, um, singer, songwriter, what opportunities do you think have come your way um, with the pandemic? and what 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 are some of the cons as well you know um well i think
0: that a lot of opportunities have arisen like during the pandemic and lockdown um like with regards to technology-based performance and like podcast and a lot of app work um it's taken like the social aspect of music and um shows to social media. And so that platform, that like area has just exploded. But as a setback, um, I find like it's very, it's restrictive and it's very specific um, when you're talking about performing on social media and it's not really for everyone. Not every artist loves the social media um, area and fixates on it as much. Um, And so that kind of, if you draw back from that I feel like maybe you're not really with it as much as the next artist might be. Um, I find that social networking and like understanding people's vibes and getting to like know people and then choosing to work with them then works for me if that makes any sense. The flow has just been like scrambled by the whole pandemic in a sense but at the same time it's given everyone time to Take a step back, look at what they want to do. Actually, understand where that art is coming from and how they feel about it, and what truly is like expression. I guess.
2: Are we looking at any collaborations, um, Gigi? Uh, you know, if you if you got the chance to you know work with other artists from different parts of the continent, um, is that something that you're willing to share? Um yeah of
0: course collaborations are always going on um when people reach out or you reach out and you make things but the pandemic has slowed down the whole polishing and packaging process in a sense like you can't really just like go out and shoot visuals without endangering the herd um with the virus so i'm taking steps and Record, like you know precautions and seeing taking time to wait for things to be right and then everyone will know
2: no pressure um when you're we're ready when you're ready um um i'm just gonna jump ahead to the next topic um you know we recently saw burner boy win a grammy um uh, which is such a big deal uh especially in the continent just like Oh, we're seeing an Afrobeat artist, you know, winning a Grammy, and um, I think um, we've wanted inclusion for the longest time. So I think I, I want to know how you guys feel, first of all, in just like music from Africa just being classified as Afrobeat and us going or being represented in, would I say the 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 world music category? Um, would you, you know? What's your opinion on that? I think it's great that, um, you know, I mean, that's
4: a that's a huge accolade, a Grammy. Um, it's the ultimate accolade for many artists around the world. And it's great that we got to celebrate three times over um, this year. Um, it's a remarkable achievement for, for those artists. Um, I think, you know, it, it is, it's great that Afrobeats is being highlighted and that, um you know, it's being awarded and getting the recognition that it deserves as a great genre of music from Africa. It's, of course, not the only kind of music uh, from the continent. Uh, You open by speaking about 54 countries. In South Africa, we have 11 different languages, and each artist needs to be able to represent themselves, their culture, their heritage, and the art that they create. Um, and I think that it's very important that over time we create more platforms for that music to be heard and to be celebrated as well. Um, it's, it's part of, I think, what, what will be authentic, uh, for music from here. I think for a long time, African music has inspired a lot of other genres of music, um, in the U S and Europe. I think we can hear the same patterns, the same rhythms, but it wasn't being acknowledged as, African music. And so for, for the most part, I think it is progress. Um, the category of world music, yeah, So you know, that was a, that was a big topic, even for the fans and social media. And uh, of course, as an industry as well, we have to take care of these categories and these labels. Um, whose label is that world music? Um, how do we want to own that label? Or how do we want to be able to, to filter it or change it going forward? There's a lot of people that say that music genres aren't, you know, they're they're evolving over time as music should, as as trends should, Um, but you still have to pick a genre. You know, nowadays, if you sell music on a digital service platform like Apple, you have to be able to pick your genre upfront and decide, okay, this is what I'm being classified as. And we didn't create those genres either, uh, but we have to fall into them. Um, And then, you know, if you want to be on a chart, you're in a chart in that genre, for example. So I think there's a lot around categorization and genre that we need to discuss. And we have to discuss where those genres are coming from. And if we need to amend it, clearly that change needs to come from us. It needs to come from the artists here and from the organizations here, the industry, the labels and so forth. But let me pause there for thoughts, if you don't mind. and I can circle back with feedback afterwards.
2: No problem, no pressure. Um, I think I'd like to just agree with you and just say that you know uh, just the world recognizing Afro Beat for you know regardless of not recognizing the other genres um, is a start for us and you know we just um, kind of just have to keep pushing the other genres that we have um, but this is a, a good beginning um, but up I'd really like to hear your thoughts on on and, and especially because um, I think um, Asha. I wouldn't classify her as as Afrobeat because her genre is different. But like, she's a world-renowned um, artist. Um, so, what what's your thought on just like, you know, music being classified as Afrobeat?
3: So, I'm going to agree very strongly with you, and you know, on 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 the subject, um, of course um afrobeat definitely um is taking center stage and um, has the we in a sense have the ears of the world and um um and that's a great start uh, but I, I think what we all seem to be saying in unison here is it's gradually becoming time to deepen the conversation uh past um, just accepting one genre of music but i think that um if, you know, it, history sort of is repeating itself, because, um, you know, when you when you think Jamaica, you think the Caribbeans, you know, there's often, you know, the association with reggae. I mean, in some cases, yes, there's maybe soca or Calypso, but, you know, the bigger representation seems to be reggae, you know, in a sense, you know, and, and I, I feel like that might be, you know, what is happening with us and Afrobeats. Um, I think for me, I, I would further the conversation to say now that uh, we're beginning to have the ears of the world, how do we um begin to deliberately introduce um other genres so yeah while, while we agree that you know there are many different genres um i think the system that sort of pushes out the music in this space. So by that, I mean the gatekeepers from, you know, value added service providers to radio, to TV, to videos, to all of that kind of invest in, you know, what appeals to the masses. And I think that that's where Afrobeat sort of has it going. Um, I think that, you know, people have not been able to confidently express, you know, confidence in differing palettes, if you will, and um, because of that, this is great music, you know, all over Africa, this great, 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 you know, from Salignolo to Tikenja to Rukio Traoria, to, to, to uh, you know, the Zama Jobe, I mean, there's just a ton of people who make great music. Um, I think that you know part of what we also need to do while the Grammy um, nomination and winning is is important I think we need to begin to consider you know the importance of parallel systems parallel systems that sort of celebrate because when you think about it the Grammy is actually you know is is is, is 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 it's it's a moment that's what it is for us it's just it's just it's a it's, a, it's kind of a short moment that, that happens and, and, and goes away. It's like, a, it's like you know, they change the channel very quickly, but I think what's going to linger is creating a credible, respectable um, um, system, parallel system that recognizes the different genres of African music that's coming out of this space. You know, that's also done, you know, in, in a international standard, you know, we can get, you know, corporates to sort of um, invest in growing it to be a credible, Um, way of validating music in Africa, I feel like, you know, we we need to come to a point where we're having our own conversations, celebrating our, our, um, you know, divergent genres, but also um, making sensitizing people in terms of understanding that you you can't just put money behind, you know, corporates can't just put money behind mass appeal, you know, so I I think it's it's a matter of accountability you know, and all of that. There's all kinds of grants and all kinds of trusts and all kinds of, you know, that protect you know, the interest of jazz music and what have you. But, you know, we don't have, you can't move music without money. You can't recognize a genre, build a genre or whatever, you know, without, um, you know, the financial support. So I think, you know, we need, there needs to be a business conversation along with an art conversation in terms of how all these other genres, you know, because there are people who appreciate them and but we just aren't consolidating the silent majority. And I think that when we can consolidate the silent majority, we can actually show the world that there is more to African music than Afrobeats. I love Afrobeats, by the way. But I, you know, like you said, Asha is Asha cannot be classified as Afrobeats, at least not at this time. And I feel that there are many other artists as, as, aside herself, you know, from Buika to, I mean, just name it, you know, who uh worthy of note and worthy of Recognition, And um, I feel like that will come uh, as we begin to create our own credible parallel systems.
4: I was just going to agree with you. uh, I I mean, I'm a fan of Afrobeats as well. And, you know, I mean, I can I can remember when it started infiltrating in South Africa as well, uh, which was in the in the recent sort of like five, six years. And it meant that uh, and one of the most important things that I think happened was artists recognizing uh, the music and wanting to collaborate. And I think that was important for the music coming out of West Africa to be able to spread to the South and become popular, yeah. And I think when I mentioned music discovery for fans, um, and I mean, we spoke about it even for ourselves, I discovered new artists and new music because there was a little bit more bandwidth to do that when so many other activities within the industry were slowed down or halted. Um, and I think artists on my level discovered other artists as well that they wanted to feature and collaborate with. And because there was no travel, communicating with somebody within your own country and communicating with somebody from Kenya or Nigeria or Ghana it was equivalent. So it was much easier to, to share a beat, have a listen, send back a verse, um, you know, spend some time writing together online. And I don't think we had that focus um, before. And so I think this is one of the really novel things that happened during lockdown and because of the, the pandemic. And maybe it would have happened anyway, but I feel like it was a little bit sped up because we had that capacity to do that. And I think those collaborations are what is important for music to grow from local to bigger than that. And I think even as far as internationally into the US and into the Grammys, if we can open up the minds or just as the way that we've become more African open-minded, I think within the continent to be able to collaborate and work more with each other as producers or songwriters or performing artists and recording artists. I think the same thing needs to happen for artists that are based in the UK, Europe and the US to say, when you're thinking about a great sound um, to, to to work on or to, with an artist to collaborate on. We don't only have to look within this, this genre, you know, we can also look at the others. You know, in South Africa, the dominant genre right now is, is a piano, obviously. And, you know, a lot of the stuff, we actually released, you know, one of the, the ambassadors for I'm a piano from South Africa right now is an artist called Focalistic. And we released that album during April, which is at the height of lockdown year. And all the work that we could do for promo at the time was digital. Um, but we reached out to, you know, even radio outside of South Africa and Kenya and so forth to be able to push the music forward. And I think there was an openness because the timing was right for this kind of music. But I think also there was this desire to, it was a new sound, it was something fresh. Um, and so I think that that same process can be applied to a lot of other music um, genres as well in Afro-pop, Afro-soul, and so
3: forth. If I can just say that um, I'm happy you mentioned Amapiano because I think in terms of proper n- nomenclature, and I'm sorry, I'm Charlotte, we're, we're just jumping in, but um, so Amapiano, which, um, you know, originated from, from South Africa and is such a big, big sound, has become just humongous in the Nigerian space. You know, but it's interesting how that by itself is a respectable genre, but it's sort of been subclass under afrobeats you know and so for me i think you know th- this sort of underscores the importance of um, you know getting to a point where you know th- there there is like a, a parallel system that recognizes the effort you know and the ingenuity of creating you know a genre that's able to drive you know music and drive tastes and all that i mean we wouldn't do that we, you you wouldn't take edm for instance and just you know log it under pop or something you know what i mean so um i, I you know it's, it's 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 such a fantastic genre that is Everyone's got. An, I'm, I'm working on a collaborative album, and I can tell you, number of I'm a piano song we've got on it from Davido to Branda Boy, name it. Everyone has got an I'm a piano track. So I'm just saying, you know, it just underscores the importance of um, sort of respecting the different genres and then giving them room to thrive, as opposed to um, just sort of logging everything on the Afrobeats genre.
4: Yeah. And I think because this genre, this is a a great example of a genre that it's very localized and it was, uh, you know, it really comes from, no, this wasn't created by an A&R department from a record label, okay? This is from from people, this is from the streets, this is from the people. And the entire sound and authenticity of that is actually what I think resonates with people when they hear it for the first time and why they latch onto it and, and why I think it's growing so fast. And it comes from other South African genres that I think predated it. Well, I mean, there's debate about that, but quite so, for example, you can hear some of it in the, which is one of, uh, you know, so that's a very old, very well established South African genre. But those are our names for those genres. It comes from, yeah. And you're right, it goes into an Afrobeat playlist or, or worse, it goes into a list with just all other African music right now. And I don't know, I mean, I'd like to have your thoughts on that. Is that good? Because that means that we're moving into a bit of a, a genre list where it's just about music that suits the mood, which is how consumers are, are you know, experiencing wanting to listen to recorded music right now and, on playlists. Or do we or do we fight to maintain the classification of our music here? Yeah, because that is its name. That's how the artists describe their music and that's what it should be. So if it does get to the Grammys one day, we keep the name I'm a piano, pianos, you know. Um, or, or does it need to, to have be reclassified by some global committee? Which is it?
2: Um, just to jump in here, I really love this conversation. First of all, just congratulations on, on Focalistic. I think he's done amazing. And um, I think my favorite is the remix with Davido. Um, <laughs> but I think I'd, I'd like to, to, to say, in, in terms of the question that you have, Asked in terms of like, how then do we make sure that you know this sound goes global as I'm a piano and not Afrobeat? And because you find that from a DSP perspective, that this song will be placed on an Afrobeat um, playlist here and there and there. I think one thing I'd like to point out is that uh, when we get music from a lot of artists, it's always I'm requesting to be on this playlist and I'm requesting to be on that playlist, and most of the time they will see a playlist that has. 61 million plays or 70 million plays or 100 million plays, the most popular playlist. And if you find that um, from a service provider perspective, we're trying to build um, a piano playlist, for example, and try and kick it off. And what we then need to do is put that song on that um, a piano playlist and then send the artwork to the artist and say, listen, we've added you to this um, a piano playlist. So you should send your fans to check it out on this I'm a piano playlist so that we can just gen- generally try and start building that that um, that uh, playlist and in, in turn build that genre for the world. But at the end of the day, the artist is always no, saying no i want to be on this verified afrobeat playlist because this is the bigger playlist and i'm 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 happy to share this verified afrobeat playlist i was saying in terms of globalizing different genres um, from across the continent and giving an example of i'm a piano um from a service provider perspective when artists provide um submit songs to the dsp and to different service providers they always know what playlist they want to be added to. And they kind of like are adamant on requesting, I want to be added to this playlist and that playlist. And most of the times they choose the the, the playlist that is more more popular and that has more plays. So whatever playlist has a hundred million plays, that's a a playlist that they want to be added to. And so um, then you find that we are having this discussion where we're like, okay, cool. Ama Piano is growing as a genre on its own. And we're trying to to kind of just build that and make it more recognizable um, to the world on its own as as a genre that comes from Africa, that's not Afrobeat, but called Ama Piano. So you build a new playlist and place different Ama Piano songs on this this new playlist, this Ama Piano playlist. And you sent the artist the artwork and say, listen, I've added you to this I'm a Piano playlist. Do you mind sharing with your fans? And they're like, no, I've, you know, but I'm willing and I'm happy to share, you know, if you add me to this verified alphabet playlist that's really, really big, they're happy to share that. But they're not happy to share the new playlist that is an, 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 an a Piano playlist, just because it's not big enough, because essentially we're still trying to build it. So how do we make the artist understand that it's not necessarily us building this playlist, but it's us building this genre?
3: Okay, so I was was sort of speaking to that and saying that um, one of the reasons I think why, and then from personal experience, why artists um, choose certain playlists they want to be on is you know, because they are very well aware of their existential reality. and the existential reality is that um, it's a game of numbers. It comes down to having as many numbers as you can. And I feel like you know this is usually controlled by the gate. again, it comes back to the gatekeepers. I think that there are a lot of external influences that control the music that we create and then the music that people consume. And I feel like, you know, until we're able to address some of these issues, you know, from the root um, um, perpetrators, if you will, or causes, if you will, um, we're going to continue to have these sort of struggles. Um, And, you know, and also to speak to, it it just sort of um, segues nicely to Ninel's question, you know, about, does it does uh, do we do we sort of make it open-ended in terms of genres and just have like a genre-less space? You know, so I I I think first of all that, you know, it it would be important for this reason to have genres, but also important to um I, I think regulation. So for instance, one of the things that happened in Nigeria for many years was um a lot of the music was foreign influenced. And then of course we had like NBC regulations that would stipulate that, you know, 20% local, 80%, you know, uh, 20% foreign, 80% local. And I think that as these things are managed from a regulatory perspective, you can then sort of, um, when people know that, you know, there are incentives, there are grants, there's whatever it is, you know, that can sort of incentivize them to hold on to their genres. Cause we can't all sort of be victims of the same taste. And the taste is generally what? It's generally mass appeal. It's generally popular music. You know, we we all want to hear different things. And sometimes, you know, if we go into this wide open space, we encounter a lot of thorns to get to our roses. You know, and so I think we need to start having conversations in not not regulatory conversations in terms of um, how you regulate what people enjoy, because you can't get in the way of people's freedoms. I don't think that's what it is. But in terms of... um, you know, how these other genres can enjoy the benefits that say Afro beats by itself sort of enjoys, you know, so sort of a focus of, you know, South Africa on Amapiano, like, I mean, what what happened with, you know, South African house at a point in time was becoming a big thing, and even filtering into the Nigerian space, you know, dubstep at a point became a big thing and filtered all over the world trap became a big thing and filtered all over the world, you know, so how is it what what are the models that sort of help these genres? Become what they are and filter, you know, um, all, all over the world. How can we adopt these models and personalize them for genres so that artists can feel that? Look, we have a playlist of 50 million or 60 million people, but it's 50 or 60 million people who actually care about our kind of music, or maybe 10 million people, but 10 million people who are devoted to our kind of music so that you're able to build a cult following and you're able to even do merchandising and everything else based on that. So I think it's about having a conversation around the science and the regulation that protects you know, the interests of people who create music, you know, for different genres. I think it's important that, you know, we continue to keep, you know, genres going because people are able to zero in on what's most important to them. And I also think that it's important for us to have, you know, science and regulation conversations around how these playlists can better serve, you know, maybe a smaller audience in some cases, but a more devoted, more cult following.
2: Gigi, you've been you've been silent um, and you know I, I I also think that you know your music is also different what's your take in, in, in all this and and you know just in terms of classifying and just putting out the alternative sound and globalizing it
0: um, in terms of classifying I feel like it's not something that needs to be focused on in such an analytical way because you um, there will always be classifications. Um, people are just con- like generally conditioned to, to like um, stereotype. And I mean, I, I was writing down some notes actually. Um, and I was saying that uh, there are so many categories that exist on the continent um, and such a variety of classification is possible. That it really depends on the person who's consuming it. I think because there will always be people who are looking for like a refreshing aspect in our or like who like like to be individual and like to discover new things and like to like digest and analyze it themselves and share it with their friends and not just have a prepackaged um, idea in their minds. Like that they choose to debate based on like bullet points that they've drawn from elsewhere. Um, and again, art is just very fluid that to me, thinking about classification is analysis paralysis and it gets me stressed. But um, I don't think that everyone is as influenced by platforms um, as some people like to be directed in their sense of taste, of course. But again, other other people pride themselves on the discovery of like new music and artists and scenes and feeling.
2: I think my next question to you is, do you think mainstream media, um, you know, Kobams mentioned that there's, you know, there's regulations at least in Nigeria. Um, I haven't heard this in Kenya or Ghana, but there's like regulations in Nigeria that says um 80 local and uh 20 foreign and 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 my question is then do you think that you know mainstream media radio stations and tv um are are, are you know like heeding this campaign to play more local music but also including um alternative sounds or do you think they're they're playing local but they're playing a lot of the, the for, for the for the mass market which is you know for me
0: they're playing local, they're playing like local, local, like there's like the pop local, like uh, Wizkid, a Savage, that could be perceived as alternative to some people who are like truly like into like the local scene. Um, and so I definitely do agree with the fact that like, there must be reg- regulations because there's a lot of national music and adverts and like media really. That you that is um, that you see and you hear, but I don't know if, altern- the alternative scene gets that much play. There are certain radio stations that do dedicate themselves to playing um, the new wave kind of alternative sound, but not as many.
2: So- um, what's what's your opinion on that? You, you know, do you do you feel like they're you know pushing alternative music and other genres? Um, or they like GG mentioned, they're playing the Davidos and the Tiwas and, and the music that's already, you know, for the mass market. Yeah,
0: no, they're definitely playing the music that's already for the mass market, but because like there's the percentage of youth in Nigeria, for instance, is a lot higher, like people under, I don't know, 30, like there's like there's more of the population within that category. And so in order for certain businesses and platforms and such and such to get the numbers and the traction that they need, then they do have to pitch to the younger scene and like the alter scene um, as is labeled by the people who make labels as I guess, kind of like young hip um, street style kind of like new wave, like alternative to the mass um, they definitely have a voice and people are definitely like listening to them.
2: Fair enough. Uh, and I think Kabam's mentioned that, you know, in, in, in just like having a discussion in, in business wise, we also need to kind of speak to the corporates about supporting um, other genres. Um, that will, you know, would be much smaller than um, Afrobeat, which is. I wonder how that conversation would go. Um, just because, you know, uh, corporates are all about selling their products to, to the market, so um, I, I, I genuinely wonder how that that, that conversation would go. I think but
0: try and build their own platforms and media things and new um, labels to start from scratch as the people who started their own Afrobeat um, programs from scratch and are like now doing their thing as they're getting um, more renowned. Uh, they can't just be expected to like change, like change direction all of a sudden, which is understandable. And so the new wave is building its own, you know, surfboard to carry
2: itself to the shores. 100 and we're here for it. Um, okay, and so just,
3: just if I if I can just mention, um, so I I I think it's a I think it's a feasible I think it's a possible uh, conversation that can happen. My my nine to five in a lot of cases is actually cutting commercials for corporates, and these are conversations that we're constantly having. And I realize that um, even the reception to Afrobeats and the way a lot of us the way corporates actually process and reward artists in the Afrobeat space is more reactionary than um, intelligent. Reactionary in the sense that they know that, you know, this thing is picking up steam. And because of that, you know, they want to get the youth, just like um, Gigi has said. And so, you know, they go in there and they support. But, um, you know, what I'm saying is, so the Altair space, for instance, has been able to show us that you can shift the tide and I think that, you know, whatever it is that these people do to shift the tide, whatever it is, you know, culture is constantly changing. And yes, we might maybe call it Afrobeats in the general sense or whatever, but the sound can change. The, the, the music can change because culture always gives room for that. And you know, Altair, for instance, has been able to prove that. You know, Amapiano filtering into Nigeria, for instance, and really taking over the Nigerian music scene in many ways has also been able to prove that. So I think it's 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 about you know, sort of connecting with the people that matter in some of these spaces and getting them to realize that, look, this is the new, this is the new genre. This is the new sound. This is the thing that is so, uh, you know, it's, it's, um, it's, it's, that's why I, I said initially that it has to be, deliberate, it has to be intentional. So artists need to sort of either move away from just, I mean, continue to be artists and continue to, you know, um, 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 you know, grow the art form. But you know, there's room for music business and music business needs to engage with corporate on this level, you know, to 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 promote. So imagine, you know, whoever chooses to invest in Altair in the Nigerian space. Imagine a telco investing in Altair in the Nigerian space right now. collaborating with an important enough gatekeeper you know they're able to make because i mean Afrobeats in the nigerian space for instance became what it is because certain radio stations and certain gatekeepers invested in giving it airtime and heavy rotation at a certain point so i think that these are some of the the things that can be managed yes it's mass it's mass markets and these people just want to sell their stuff but they're only reacting more than anything else Um, a lot of them are not doing the necessary studies and the intelligence reports to guide their decision as much as they're following what the next man is doing and I feel that if people in the music business space can get involved and begin to have some of these conversations we can actually influence other genres and give them time of day.
2: 100 I agree with you um uh, and I think we've seen at least UBA work with um with Borg and, and um and TZ and Fresh El, and I think that that to me was the first corporate that I saw work with um you know what Gigi mentioned as Alta sounds. Um, and 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 we always just need a first for someone to try and um and, and everyone follows suit. I think my question to you, Ninel, is the same question, um how it is in South Africa in terms of like um, you know, mainstream media in South Africa supporting other genres. Um, because I know hip hop is really big in South Africa. And now I'm a piano is really big in South Africa. I, I know there's other artists like Sahara or Lady Zamar. Are, are, are they being played as much? Um, are other genres being played as much as well? Yeah, I mean, I think I agree with what Colm
4: said earlier. You put it nicely when you say that culture can change and evolve. And I think we see that all the time with trends in, in music um, and art. I mean couple years ago at some point hip-hop was considered niche and and then went on to become the most dominant most influential genre of music worldwide then influencing into pop culture and I think the same can happen to any other new genre I think it does take um, some key things to make that happen to create such an impactful story I think the ambassadors of the music is one thing so the artists that are that are headlining that genre and 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 I think that people follow and gravitate towards that spread it worldwide. And they do that wherever they perform, wherever they show, wherever they, they play. Mm. In South Africa, radio is still very influential in um, in pushing the impact of an artist. The only exception would probably be Amma Piano, which I think really only got to radio afterwards, after it was really popular um, in clubs and venues and parties. And yeah, um, I think just as, you know, the new radio, DSPs, Um, play a very important role in in stretching the influence of the artist outside of the local community, you know, bigger. And those those verified, those major playlists that you were talking about are important. Um, I mean, we can see that when we go into the back end of any of the artists and why we get excited about adding getting an ad to to an international playlist because we know it's stretching us outside of our, our local community, the home audience, and taking the music further. Media in general, I think, even outside of radio, they shape the story, they shape the narrative of how these genres are viewed, you know, when you get an article and an OK African and see certain things or music in Africa, we know that who that's going out to and who the audience is, and and that's how they're going to read about it and they're going to discover more. So yeah, I would say there's definitely a few important platforms in driving the impact of of a genre forward. Um, In South Africa, they'd be, I think, very similar. I don't know if radio is still as important in the rest of the continent. There is a a play to play more local music. I mean, there has been for many years. Um, for the most part, I don't think it's quite at um, the high levels that it could and should be. Um, I think you've got to have usually some good radio champions, compilers in the radio stations that enjoy the music and that um, sort of want to get behind it. It still is important, though. It's important when you're you know, in South Africa for the South African Music Awards, for example. Uh, That's one of the things that they would look at. They literally look at the radio play for a period of a year in order to justify what was the most popular song in the country for the year. Um, And that's actually interesting because this year at the South African Music Awards, Ama piano will be a category on its own for the first time. And, um, you know, it had one of the highest um, entry rates. Um, compared to some of the other more popular genres that used to be dominant in South Africa. So it's just showing us uh, what we were really seeing, obviously, as a trend. And that didn't come without debate. eh? That that came with a lot of debate. The the South African Music Awards Committee, which is made up by most of the labels in South Africa, you know, it was a back and forth, whether or not it was going to be a genre that would be yet to stay, whether or not um, all those factors that we've been discussing now, but the fact that it made it onto its own list, which means that artists in that genre in South Africa will be recognised um, according to that genre and not be boxed under a broader category or anything like that.
2: Word, and now that we're, we're you know we're talking about radio and media, the question I really wanted to ask is how you think um, streaming platforms um, have have changed the process of of making and sharing music and you know. And just like it, has it been easier to break for artists to break through with just access to more streaming platforms and and essentially um just kind of democratizing the process? Yeah, I mean streaming platforms right now are everything for
4: music sales. Um, our, our last uh, chain and franchise of physical music CD stores is announced its closure a couple of months ago. So by April, well, there will be very few places to go and buy physical CDs. So, I mean, it's, it's, you know, people are trying to come up with innovative solutions of how we can still print and still distribute around the country. I hope there will be because I think in certain genres, especially R&B and Afro-Soul, we will still see um, some good sales. Um, but no, streaming and digital music is everything for all of the artists. Does it make breaking an artist easier? Yes and no. Um, I think um, yes, the music is easier to create, record and push out, um, but we face all of the same factors, we face competition, there are many more artists, Um, there's a shorter, um, you know, attention span, I think for for music right now, you can see that with the lengths of songs being reduced to, to really, really short time periods. Um, you know, you get onto a list on a Friday, a new music Friday list, and the next week you're gone. So I think there's a there's a shorter cycle um, to the music oftentimes, um, and these are just some of the things that I think you have to work within um, as a recording artist and as a label, uh, because we know it's like that and it's like that for everyone. So it's created a lot of good opportunities um it is great that we can get onto a list and see we've got people listening in Tokyo and Germany and other places we haven't even physically been yet or been on radio on yet Um, but it does come with its own set of of challenges that I think relate back to competition yeah
2: competition is good healthy competition healthy competition
4: is good and and hopefully the best rise to the top um I also think that streaming platforms play a major role in championing artists and genres I think you know And I think that there's a lot happening right now around finding rising artists, new artists, breaking artists, new wave, um, to offer something new and something fresh, and to put those artists on in categories where more established artists, you know, have probably been owning the covers of playlists and so forth. So, I mean, the, 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 the work that I think is going into and probably the internal conversation, Charlotte, that you guys have, um, are really important and they can have a very big impact on breaking that artist. So in the in artist career.
2: I got you. Gigi, my question to you, Gigi is, um, first of all, um, how has, you know, you know, music streaming platforms um, helped or affected your career? And, um, and because your sound is very unique, is it, is it African influenced, you know? Um. yeah, those two questions. Gigi? Um,
0: how have the music platforms impacted or affected my music?
2: or Your career, like the, um, the trajectory of your career.
0: As Cobham said earlier, it is a numbers game and um, that is something that is looked at by prospective partners and people coming with offers and whatnot. Um, and so it does mean that it's like constantly. Um, I don't know. It makes stuff very number based, if that makes any sense to you. And with like by the tone of my voice, um, it is a subject that is tiresome for somebody who has dyscalculia. Um, but not in a sense that I'm saying that it is boring, but in a sense that it is complex. Um, it's interesting because the more they increase, the more other things increase. But at the same time, um, if you just don't really pay too much attention to it, and then you can you give yourself the time to step back and decide what you want to do next, um, and decide that you don't want to be paying attention to uh, the numbers on the screen as much as you want to be paying attention to what you are expressing and the true nature of your project and um, your message and your vision, then it um, it takes, you know, it takes a step back. You take a step back from that. And what was your next question, I forgot?
2: Uh, my next question is, is your is your sound? Um, does it have African influences? Um, you know, like does love the rock and scapulate uh, that alternative wave as well, you know, when in, African influences in the sense that
0: influenced by the energy of the city of Lagos, for instance, or of the people um, of the vibes when you're out and about um, of that which drives, a, like the the city, which is a, a completely different sort of place. I'm sure everybody thinks wherever they live wherever they come from is like unlike anywhere else. But like Lagos is truly just like very much itself. And so from that energy, you get the song Walla oh, on the Rocks," for instance, and other aspects of the pace. Um, of what people gravitate towards, what people care about—that kind of thing influences. Not necessarily um, the music of the mainstream. Um, that might have some some influences um, to a certain extent, but I think that definitely with like the writing and with um, the the energy of the song. Again, I keep saying energy. Um, but that really is a, it is like a battery pack. Lagos.
2: Okay, fair enough. I mean, uh, a lot of things that we do um, are always like highly influenced by our environment or the environment that, you know, we come from. Um, at, at, you know, we're coming to the final uh stages of this conversation this very happy conversation i know you guys are very sad to hear my voice um for the last minutes but um kabams i think a final question um for you is um do you mind you you did mention that you're working on a project um do you mind you know sharing more details like when it's going to come out what we should expect or
3: you know so, yes, thank you very much. I'm, I'm, I'm very happy to share details. It's probably the most adventurous thing I've ever done. So I've been known to create um, uh, a lot of alternative sounds, you know, with the likes of Asha and Bez. And I've worked with Somi, who's, uh, you know, American-Ugandan artist um, out mm-hmm. of um, um, New York. And, you know, we've made, like, she was actually nominated uh, for Best Female Jazz Vocalist at the last uh, concluded Grammys. Um, but this, this is so, this is different. This is, um, it's a project titled with love from Lagos which is intrinsically Afrobeats. But um, so I started out primarily as a music producer, but I've always sort of performed and I have grown over years and just, you know, painstaking efforts to begin to accommodate my voice. I started out hating it very much. Um, but now that I'm beginning to get used to it, I've now created this um, collaborative album that has um, a lot of people. So from Tubaba to Files to Simi to um, Bella Shmada, who's like, uh, you know, the, the in thing, the, the sensation, the reigning sensation in Nigeria right now, to Yemi Alade, Tokia who's actually a fashionista in the Nigerian space, but I was able to get her into the studio to actually sing. Um, and then, you know, I'm also looking at, crossing outside of Nigeria and working with them, you know, collaborating with a number of, you know, brothers and sisters who I have worked with over time and have developed a relationship with. So the likes of Southeast Seoul, you know, and possibly King Promise or Jackie out of Ghana, you know, um, you know and, and just the like. So it, it's a very exciting project. And I think, you know, it, 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 it's, it chronicles, uh, I don't know if chronicles is the word, but it, it, um, it just sort of puts out there just my time of working with amazing Nigerian. I've, I've worked with, you know, musicians out of at, at the very least, maybe 30 countries out of Africa or more. And um, it's just been, you know, the camaraderie, the beauty of just, you know, relating with these people and creating music that, you know, always speaks towards one cause, you know, or another in the interest of, you know, Africans. So to be able to come together with all of these people and create, you know, one collaborative album project, I am really, really excited about it. It's unlike anything, you know, I've done. And I'm excited that, you know, it's my album project. It's my voice. I, I can't tell you exactly when it would come out not because I don't have that information, but you know, we're just sort of managing that. I can say that the, the first single um, should be out in another month or so, and it's going to have Bella and Pato Ranking on it. He's kind of big in the Nigerian space the, and, and also big in the Caribbeans. You know, amazing, amazing, amazing artist. So, yeah, that's what I'm working on. Um, among other things, I just finished recording an album for Banky W, who's also a Nigerian artist. I'm working with Timmy Dacolo, who got signed to Virgin Records. He's a talented, talented, you know, amazing artist. And then, of course, I'm doing all of my regular corporate work um sort of servicing you know telcos like mtn and the likes and stuff but yeah those are some of the things you know i i'm currently up to and just looking forward to you know the offerings from some of those that will be out soon
2: and look we're looking forward to it um and um sidebar we're looking forward to having the audio the album on mark but you know like we're looking forward to your work um essentially and, um, you know, I want to wish you all the best, uh, I, but I know that you don't need it because you are awesome and amazing. Trust Nino, me, I need uh, it, and thank
3: you. Thank you for the best wishes.
2: <laughs> Nina, over to you. Um, what do we expect from your record label? Um, so, I mean, for us,
4: actually, we're really focused. I think that the, the, the greatest work that's going to come out of the continent and go international is going to be collaborations between great African artists. And so I love uh, what you've just described about your your project. Um, I can't wait to hear it since it's already done. And for the next one, please, I invite you to, to, to let us know when you have beats or when you're interested in collaborations for any other artists on our level. I will um, take you be-
3: up on that. Thank you
4: yeah yeah we'd love to hear and see what happens when yeah you, you never know when two artists get together when there's a great energy it really does create sometimes something very magical um and yeah we're releasing a lot of music you know one of our ami Faku who was the the best female artist last year at the south african music awards she was also on the um obama favorite list for 2020. we're working on her follow-up project which will be released soon um, Manu Wallstar, who's uh, Congolese, South African artist we're working with. Uh, we'll be releasing a lot of new work with him. Um, and that'll take us with two collaborations with artists from East Africa and TZ, um, and some artists in Ghana that we're, we're working with as well, and even Zambia, some Southern African artists as well. Um Benny Afro, uh, we're also working on a brand new project. That would be our, our breaking artist, I think, for the year. Uh, um, and there's a lot. Kekilingo, we're 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 incubating a number of um rising Ama Piano artists at the moment. Uh we, we've released a few singles and there's a few projects that are coming soon. Um yeah, guys just you know, are from Pretoria uh, that are in the genre that they just want to put out good music. So Yeah, there'll be a lot of music coming out from the fifth season in in
2: 2021. I love hearing this. Um, I think what I have loved hearing from both you and Kobams is um, the word collaboration and especially just from different artists from different parts of of the continent. I think that before we even say we want to make these kind of genres um, global, we kind of just have to make them continental in, in the first place. And the best way to do that Is by having more collaborations. Well, ladies and one gentleman, (laughs) I appreciate you for taking the time to speak with us on uh, The Wave. Um, Until next time. Thank thank you for having me.
3: me. Thank you you so much. Thanks for having us.
2: We hope you enjoyed
0: this episode of The Wave. Found out more about the series on our social media accounts. We are The Wave, reaching out to the skies, Africa rising. We are the way we tell the stories of life. We tell the stories.